What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite-only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? We are back again, and today we have a phenomenal episode for you. If you do not know who the budget Nista is, you will after this episode. So I'm excited. We actually had to reschedule this one because we wanted to make sure that all of the value was there. And so without further ado, you want to go ahead and say what's up to the budget Nista and Miss Tiffany Aliche. Do you want to say what's up to Dream Nation? Hey, Dream Nation. I love Dream Nation because I call my tribe Dream Catchers. So, you know, the dreams link up. <laughs> they link up. I love it. We're going to make sure that we get those dreams into motion after this episode. So I always like to make sure that we give the proper introduction. And you've been featured across the biggest publications across the world. You've been doing this for about 10 years now. So you're not new to this game. But I'm I always to like game. to think. <laughs> you're like, I'm not new to this, but I'm true to this. But true to this. I love it. And so I always like to think of entrepreneurs as superheroes. Why is because we're constantly flying around the world, we're putting on a cape and we're trying to solve problems, whether they're ours or other people's. And so before you became this superhero, before you became this entrepreneur and featured everywhere and helping thousands of other people, take it back to when you were just a young girl and tell mm -hmm. me who is Tiffany Aliche? So when I was little, I was always someone who liked to be helpful. I was, I was a bit of a, um, a busybody and a nosy wosy and, and bossy. And uh, because I was like, no, this is the better way. And I realized that that translated into being a teacher. And wow. so I knew as a little girl, I wanted to be a teacher. And I actually ended up before the budget needs to being a teacher for 10 years. And so, but you know, what's so strange. I think about this from time to time. I remember distinctly riding my bike and I lived in Roselle, New Jersey at the time. And I can like literally see it. It's like, a, it was a small, Roselle was a very small town, like two square miles. And I just remember at the end of the street used to be like these big, huge, I don't know if they were maple trees, but they would turn yellow during the fall. And I just remember like on my bike, my banana, my banana seat bike with the big old handlebar sitting under that tree and something coming to me and saying that people, people worldwide are going to know your name. Isn't that crazy? That is I, crazy. I, I had to be younger than, cause I, we moved from Roselle when I was nine. So I had to be like maybe six, seven, eight years old. But I remember distinctly feeling that fully people worldwide are going to know your name. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, right. like, you know, and, you manifested and it. Yes. And then too, when I was younger, every time that I would go and hang out with my friends, if they had a grandparent, 
it, especially one year in particular, it kept happening over and over that somebody's grandma would come up to me and say, baby, you're going to be a rich woman one day. And yes. And I remember being like, okay. And so, yeah, <laughs> but that would happen over and over and over. And so sometimes those things come back to me. And so, yeah. So I think Tiffany Aliche is a teacher, is a giver, is a sharer, and is a learner. Got it. I love it. And so what I, I love the most about that is it sounded like not only you, but those around you were always planting seeds inside of you that you could be whatever it is that you wanted to be. Right? Absolutely. And, and that's very, very big because in especially the black community, you feel like you're an outcast a lot of the times. If you got big dreams or yes. be thinking crazy thoughts, people are like, listen, no, you just need to work on going to school, getting your getting your GED. Right. Yep. Or something or like just that. Getting a, getting a basic job, you know, like that's it. Like you can, you know, go ahead. You could dream big, but dream big means working for somebody else. Absolutely. So where did that, I guess, where did it come from for you that you had the audacity to say, I'm not going to work for somebody else? Was that, were your parents business owners or what did that look like? So my dad was an accountant and a CFO of a small nonprofit. And my mom's a nurse since they're both since retired. And so I would see my dad do small business ventures on the side with his friends. And my mom and my dad had an investment group with their friends. This is before everybody was kind of doing it just, but they, they met up once a month. My, my aunts and uncles would come to the house. They would drink, eat food, talk about finances, you know, but it wasn't entrepreneurship. Wasn't I'm African. I was born in New Jersey, but my parents were both born and raised in Nigeria. So okay. entrepreneurship wasn't, although Africans are very entrepreneurial, meaning like if you go to anybody's market, you see six-year-olds selling their plants, selling their vegetables, you know, but it wasn't, it was entrepreneurial by necessity, not by, not by design, not by dream. It was just like, yeah, I sell things because I got to eat, you know? Exactly. So it wasn't, and honestly, I didn't, I I actually don't consider myself, I'm very risk adverse. You would not Hmm. think so because of entrepreneurship, right? Because I'm an entrepreneur, but what happened was the 2008-2009 um, uh, recession had me rethink what risk was mm. because I, I graduated um, college. I had my, my bachelor's in business and I figured I'd just work for some work, corporate America job. And then afterwards, after graduating, I realized I really hated all my internships and I really wanted to do something where I felt fulfilled. So I became a teacher. Nothing safer than a teacher. Right. The recession hits, Right. I'm like, oh, recession hits. I'm, I'm not worried about it because teachers don't lose their jobs. So that's on y'all. 2008, I'm good. 2009, at, at the end of 2009, they tell us that our school is closing. And mm. I was like, wait, what? And everyone, unfortunately, has to get let go. And at, in, the, in literally the span of a few weeks, I lost everything. I lost my job. I, I, I was in basically pre-foreclosure. I was in a relationship for like six, seven years. I thought we were going to get married. We broke up. I lost all... I lost everything. And that's when the, the uh, switch flipped about what did safety really mean? Because I'm risk adverse. Right. And I said, you know what sounds risky? Having my whole future in the palm of someone else's hands. I'm not mm. going back to work for nobody else. That's what made me an entrepreneur is because it actually seemed less risky to bet on Tiffany than to bet on somebody else to look after me. And so that's why I started my business. I love it. Now, for a lot of people, they're in that exact situation right now. Right. They've lost their job. Maybe they're getting a little bit of unemployment, but they know that that's going to stop one day. But they don't know how to take that action step because they don't feel like they have the resources. So my question to you is, 
Was there a resource that you can remember reading a book, reading a blog, catching a YouTube channel? What was that for you? Or maybe it was another friend who had just went off and started their business. What was it for you that allowed you to say, look, if they could do it, I could do it. So the first book that I read that really made me say, hmm, was Four Hour Work Week by Timothy Ferris. Mm. Every entrepreneur needs to read the Four Hour Work Week. Yeah. And he just really broke down how do you maximize your time and your energy? So minimal energy for maximum return, right? Mm. And I remember I was actually reading Four Hour Work Week when the kids were sleeping during nap time. I I was a preschool teacher. So I was reading that book because I knew there was something in me. There was like, there's more. You know, although I love teaching, you know, but I was like, there's something else. So I was reading that book. I remember being like, huh, taking notes. And so that book kind of expanded, like there's something beyond what I currently know. Something else that that helped a lot too, especially when things got really hard was Will Smith is like one of my go-to mentors. I don't know the man. I've never met him. I likely will never meet him, but he don't know. That's my Never say never. We're going to make it happen. Right. And so, but Will Smith, if you go to YouTube and type in Will Smith wisdom, Someone people have collected, like Will Smith would do interviews about his movies or whatever. And then it'd be two minutes where he gives you your entire life. You're like, what? And so when things, especially in the beginning, when I didn't know which way to go, which way to turn, I would type in Will Smith wisdom and listen and just listen. That man would be dropping bombs over Baghdad. Okay. Right. And, uh, it was just amazing. So that was another Another resource that I really leaned into, another resource I leaned into then too, it's this book called The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Mm -hmm. An amazing book. Although it's a fiction story, I feel like anyone chasing a dream should read it. It's just a story about a young boy who kind of is like figuring out his purpose and his and his what his true dream is and how and and the way that he comes to find it is so indicative of what it truly looks like to, to live out, you know, what your purpose and, and dreams are. It's just like, it's just, the book is such a great reset. I read it every year just to reset. So those are the three resources in the beginning as I was scrambling around. Cause honestly, I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't, right. although I had gone to school for business, I went, I remember my, my undergrad, my concentration was marketing. And so I didn't really, I specifically, I remember there was a class where it was like a class about how to write a business plan. And I dropped out because it was hard. I'm like, I ain't doing all that. Mm. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't bring with me all no, this no, business. <laughs> yes. And so all I knew for sure is I knew how to teach. That's the one thing, a hundred thousand percent. I said, you've been a teacher for 10 years because I started teaching when I was like 21. So by the time I started my business at like 30, I was like, okay, you've been a teacher basically for for 10 years, you know how to teach. And so that was the foundation that I built everything else on because I was like, okay, you have this strong foundation of teaching. So in the beginning of business, I said, okay, I'm going to teach individuals. So one-on-one, if you could just give me 50 bucks, if you could just give me 75 bucks, if you could just give me hundred bucks. So that was the initial like teaching financial education because it was post-recession, everyone was struggling and I was struggling, but less because mm. of this financial foundation. I, I, my father as a CFO, taught my four sisters and I about finances at home, right? How to budget, how to save, how to fix your credit. So I had that financial education knowledge, but I also had the ability to teach. And so the beginning, it was this one-on-one, like so many entrepreneurs, one hand-to-hand, one-on-one. And I remember literally, I used to Google and read everything I could find about marketing and growth. And I remember reading an article about scaling. I'm like, well, what's that? They were like, well, 
that's how you take your, your business or whatever from one level to the next. And I was like, okay, well, I want to make at least $2,000 a month. If I'm charging $100 a person, that's 20 people a month. Dang, can I really do that? That doesn't. What? Scale. Mm. Well, how do I scale if I want to make $1,000 a month? Hmm. So instead of one to one, what about one to few? So then my mentor at the time said I should look for contracts. And so I emailed everyone I could think of because I did a lot of volunteer work. I emailed all the people I volunteered for, said, hey, it's me, Tiffany. I volunteered at your organization in some capacity, teaching financial education or sometimes just feeding the homeless. But I teach financial education. I would love to do so for your organization. Someone from the United Way reached back out. I ended up um, writing curriculum for them. Because but when I was 26, I got my master's in education. I thought I was going to become a principal. Hated it, so I wasn't. But I did learn how to write curriculum. And so I leaned into the skills that I had, right? So I wrote the curriculum for the United Way and taught the six-week course. So now we're one to few. I'm a teacher in the classroom once again. The United Way paid me, I want to say they started with $300 a class. So all of a sudden, you know, what I used to have to work with three people with, I can make it with within that same two hours right. I can make with these people who are sitting here. I was like, okay, now we're cooking with grease. And I convinced the United Way to let me do a six-week series. I was like, oh, I have a six-week series. Who had a six-week series? I made it up though. I was like, I can make one up. Right. And so I was like, ooh, six-week series, six times three is 18, $1,800. Boom, bam. Okay. Now one to few. Then I convinced them, how about I do my series on Tuesdays? And Thursdays. So now all of a sudden I'm making $600 um, a week. I'm like, boom, bam. Okay. But so that was one to few. And I thought about scale again. How many of these series do I have to do to make $10,000 in a month? Every So Jim Carrey has this great story about how he wrote himself a check. Yeah. I'm, when he was like dead broke, right? And he, and he would take that check out and look at, I think it was like a $10 million check or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote myself a $10,000 check. Like I'm going to make $10,000 in one month. That was, so setting goals is so critically important. I have, I, I keep notebooks where I set goals about how much I need to make or what I want to, uh, especially my financial goals. Right. And so I set this goal of like, I want to make $10,000 in a month. So I was like, well, dang, how many United Way series do I have to do to get to $10,000 a month? That don't scale. Right. You know? So then I started thinking, okay, one-to-one doesn't scale, but it's a good place to start because it helped me hone my skills. Right. One-to-few doesn't scale, but it was a good place to start because it helped me hone my skills for a wider audience. It's one thing to tailor something for an individual person, but like if I'm teaching a classroom, I had to learn how to teach where the general public could understand. So I learned that there, but still didn't scale. I said, what about one-to-many? Hmm, what's one to many? I started reaching out to my friends who had uh, sisters and brothers in college. It was like, how does that speaker that comes, how do they speak? One of the gentlemen, he went to my friend Ladoon, his brother was actually president of the junior or something class at King University. And he said, oh, we get speakers. Basically, we choose. I said, well, how y'all choose? He's like, we just find them. I said, well, find me. <laughs> you know, he was like, okay. That was, it was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wait. He said, the way it works is that Colleges, they work out the finances ahead of time and right. it trickles down to the kids and then the kids make the decision. So I was like, well, let me start going to school, to school, to school, because I remember Keene University, they pay me $1,700 to speak. So now I'm like, oh, one to many. 
Right. right. So I don't have to work, you know, like uh, three or uh, six weeks for the United Way to make that. I can do this with one. T- OK. So I started to do more colleges and universities and, and things like that. So I was like, OK, one to many. You can. It's the, it's way more people. Same time tax on me, but way more money back. I said, OK. OK. So now and then I made my first ten ten thousand dollars in a month. I was like, yes, I did it. And then I started thinking, well, huh. I wonder, well, how do people make like a million dollars? What does that look like? So I was like, okay, it's not one-to-one. It's not one-to-few. It's not even one-to-many. Although there are some speakers who make a million dollars speaking, but honestly, I had friends who were making like half a million and they were speaking 300 days out of the 365 year. And I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in that. So then what does one-to-infinite look like, Tiffany? Infinite, infinite, infinite. And by then, I had launched my first literature challenge. It was a free online resource that I still launch every single year. And my goal was to sign up 10,000 women for that challenge. And we signed up 10,000 women. It took me a full year to convince 10,000 people to join. But by the end of, that, of the year, so we had 10,000 do the original live challenge. It's an email course. It's a month-long email course. And by the end of that month-long email course, people had told their friends and I automated it. And by the end of that year, we had 20,000 people signed up. And then next year, when I launched the, the savings version of that uh, literature challenge, we had 50,000 people by then. So it was like, okay. So right. by the time, so it was like a light bulb went on. I was like, huh, these literature challenges are digital. That's like an infinite number of people, like whatever, you know, meaning like, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world, but that's basically the, like, you know, not technically an infinite number of people, but basically there's no limit to how many people I can reach if I'm using the internet, if I'm using online. Huh, what does that look like? So I asked my audience what they wanted. And after really extracting what they wanted, it really sounded like they wanted an online school. So I built an online school. And after that was, I want to say like six years into the Budget Nista, six or seven years into the Budget Nista. And within its first year, it made a million dollars in a year. First year and a half. And now just two months ago, we made our first million dollars in a month. That's wow. one to infinite. And so now we're eight figure year business. But do you see how for one-on-one, like you can give me $50, tell me with this budget. Right. right. Start so, where you are yes. with what you have. So one to few, but also the key is that I think, especially for women too, is that you have to be in, intentional about the growth. I could have just said, I wish somebody would come on and get me and see how talented I am. No, I was like, one-to-one, I'm doing this, but how do I scale? How do I actively participate in my growth? Okay, well, I could do this one to few. Okay, well, how do I actively participate in the next level? It's not just going to fall into your lap because I have a business like so many women's businesses that are um, that's service-centric right? We do a lot of good. We give a lot away for free. And so a lot of women and, you know, are in that zone where they're like service, 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 give, give, give. And I believe in that, you know, I would say the majority of what we do, honestly, we don't get paid for, but so many um, women and new entrepreneurs get stuck there. Those who want to be of service as if you can't help good people um, do good work and make good money. right? Right. And so I have to have a service plan, which we do, but I also have to have a business financial plan, which we do. So that, that is equally as important. And so those two things, I'm always mindful as like, you know, how can we do as much good work as possible? But also too, like, what's the financial plan behind this? How are we going to monetize the pieces that we can monetize? So you you have to consciously participate in that growth. Like, even when it seems impossible, I I know people don't, it's like, when I read the Tim Ferriss book, um, the four hour work weekend, 
and by then I, when I finished, by the time I really was really going through, I had lost my job already. I was sleeping like on my sister's uh, couch and uh, for a year. And I remember writing down, he has this, he has this activity that you do that you have to write down the life that you really want lifestyle design. And then you have to ask yourself how much I think each component of my life would, would like to get this done will cost. Yeah. I remember one of the things, things I wanted to do was I wanted to give to my parents. I wanted to retire then. There's all these things I wanted. So I wrote down everything. And then I wrote down how much I thought each of those things would cost. And it said that I had to make $300,000 a year. That's what I added up to. Meanwhile, I'm sleeping on my sister's couch. My house has already been foreclosed upon. I don't have any income. I'm scraping just to get people to give me $50 to sit down with them for two hours for a budget. And meanwhile, my dreams on paper say it's $300,000 a year. I remember looking at it like, Okay, right. we got a hill to climb up. But I was just like, I kind of put it to the side. And I was just like, okay. I mean, but I mean, it was discouraging, but I was just like, I mean, this is what you said that you want. I put it Thank to the you. side, you know? But now, I mean, me as Tiffany personally, I make six figures a month, you know, which is so crazy because, and me writing that was probably was like, it was maybe seven, eight years ago. In seven years? Right. I went from sister's couch to, I hope this person got my 50 when I see them, to, to seven figures in a month. I'm not talking about seven figures in a, I'm a six figures in a month. I'm not talking about as a business. I'm talking about me as Tiffany, my take home pay. You so know? I got, I got a couple of, man, you just dropped so much value there. And thank you for being so transparent. And I'm inspired already, right? And, and that makes me think that I haven't been writing down my goals defined enough, right? Because I mean, I'm doing well, but when you talk about the manifestation of just putting it out there of, you know, a million dollars in a month or even a million dollars in a year, you're like, man, mm-hmm. I can do that. I want to do that. But what's the plan on it? But yeah. the first thing that I want to know is what was your biggest struggle? throughout all of this time? Because you've talked about the last seven, eight years where you've really had it. My biggest was, I would say my biggest struggle, honestly, was believing in, believing in myself when there was no, like right now, you know, folks know, like a lot of people know the brand, like, oh yeah, go, but you need to go. But that wasn't so in the beginning. I remember going to networking events where people would be talking to me, but be like, you know, looking beyond me to the next important person. Because obviously I wasn't it. And it was, how do you keep that motivation when there are other people, like my parents were like, what are you doing? Bojanista, get a job. My parents are Nigerian. So they were like, yeah, what is yeah. happening? Right. So I'm like, I'm, I have a business sleeping on the couch. Meanwhile, you know, I have a business. I, after I, I moved from the couch to renting a room I had in my, in my twenties, I bought a whole condo by myself and now I'm renting a room at 30, you know? Mm. And so like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a blow to your ego and your self-confidence. But there was just something in me that said that I'm not going back. Like, I mean, I, I would, I would feel overwhelmed. I used to call it being on the edge. So me and my, my, my best friend, we would talk, we talk about like, you know, girl, I need you to talk me off the edge because it was like basically jumping and saying, I can't do this, you know? But the thing that brought me back time and time again is that as much as I feel like I can't do this, I can't do that. Right. I cannot Dude, it was the thing. I was like, I'm not going back to nobody's classroom, nobody's school, the safest place in the world. And for you to tell me one day, despite all the work, the education, how many kids I taught to read, no one's going to tell me it's done for you, Tiffany. I was mm-hmm. like, so that's what really, it was like a fire in my belly that was like, girl, this is hard, but there's nothing harder than that. You want, you want this sour feeling in the pit of your stomach that at any time someone could come and take away your hopes and dreams, that it could all be washed away, girl, no. 
So this room, it might be hard living in this room. It might be hard living on this couch. It might be hard. Some people don't have your money, but it's even harder to, to participate in a dream that's fake. You know, at least you can bet on you. At least you know what it is, you know? And right. so, yeah, believing in myself and, 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 and keeping the motivation up. I didn't always have it. Honestly, I, I didn't. But time and time again, I'd be like, well, what is the alternative? The alternative is to live less than a, a less than life. What is mm. the alternative? Is to go back to what's seemingly safe for it to be snatched? Like, imagine if I had gone back and now here we are again. Right. In the similar situation. I would have been like, oh my goodness. I knew I should have made a different move. I'm not backing out. It's a recession now. But guess what? It's a different Tiffany. The recession met me different. Like, oh, you you picked on me when it, when I was 30. Oh, that's cute. Now that I'm 40, right. I got these hands for you. I'm all the way good, good. Right? I am debt free. This house I live in. Oh, you thought you was going to take it like last time? No, paid off. This house is paid off. We don't got no mortgage Man. on this house. I right? Like, it. you know, like, so yeah, that's, that was the hardest part. Um, Keeping motivated when there was nothing to motivate me. Not, not if you're only chasing the profit, because there's going to be a long time before you make any money. So you have to figure out what's going to motivate you to keep going when the money is not there. And Got it was it. the service for me. And it was also, it was that I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. I love it. And you said, so a couple of things that my takeaways out of that is, is really success is hard. Failure is hard. You got to choose your heart. Yeah. Right. Like that's what it really comes down to. And, and something else that buddies of mine and, and, and I always say is failure weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't want to, just like you said, go into this other one and say, I wish that I would have. Because that's Mm -hmm. so much harder to come back from because you know that time is your most valuable asset. And that's the one thing you can't get back. You can go back and get that $10,000. You can go back and get the condo, but you Mm -hmm. can't go back and get that time where you're like, man, I spent these last three years knowing that I was meant for bigger, which Mm -hmm. is something that you said earlier as well. And so I love to hear you say that. For somebody out there that's listening right now, they got a lot of debt. And for a while, a lot of people come to you, not for somebody, for a lot of people, they got a lot of debt. They got student loan debt. They got car debt. They got mortgage debt. They got a lot of debt. While a lot of people come to you is because you've been the budget expert. You've shown people how they can really get their finances in order and then start to go after their business or whatever else. But I heard a video where you were talking specifically about, should you be paying off debt first or should you be investing first? Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people, that's a question. What's your Mm -hmm. answer to that? So my answer is that it depends on the kind of debt. So I have this mantra that debt-free doesn't equal wealth, right? Mm. Because it just doesn't. You can be debt-free. You can owe no one. You know, I I, I, I always, uh, like, poor Roman, who's my nephew, he's four. And so I'm just be putting his business out there in the street. I'm like, Roman is debt-free and Roman is broke. He was just (laughs) over here yesterday, broke, just eating my food, playing with the toys I bought him. Roman is broke. He don't bring no finances to the table. And yet Roman doesn't have a car, no student loans, a mortgage. Roman is debt-free. So then why is he not rolling the dough? Because debt-free don't equal wealth, mm. right? And so, so what that means is this. I don't want you to misconstrue that. I don't think you should pay down debt. Absolutely. I am completely debt-free. I own two homes. I have no student loan debt. My husband and I each have our own cars. They're paid off. We paid off my parents' house last year. So we are debt-free on top of debt-free on top of debt-free. So I believe in debt freedom, but I believe in debt freedom as a result of growing wealth, Mm. right? Not as the goal itself. It is a goal. It's not the goal, Mm. right? And so, so, but here's what I mean. So the first thing I did was I paid off my, I was aggressive. So as I was building the budget Nista, kind of like with like, it's 
is with little money as possible, but I was aggressive in paying off my credit card debt. That's important because credit card debt is expensive debt. It's usually double digit interest rate. That's why, that's why it's expensive debt. So 20, 28%, 16%, 10%, meaning that the reason why you want to pay off your high interest rate debt aggressively before you start investing in wealth is that it's unlikely that you're going to be able to make more than that debt cost you. So if my credit card debt is 30, 28%, in order for me to offset the cost of my credit card debt, I have to make 28% in business or investing. It's not as likely. Right. But if my student loan debt is 5%, it is very likely that in the market or in my business or whatever, that I can get a 5% return. So it means that I would be paying the minimum to my student loan debt, like still pay it, set it, automate it, but I'm going to be putting most of my energy into my into my business or the market because I can out earn the loss of what that debt's costing me. And so, right. so I would say typically it's around the 7% mark. So because on average, the, the market yields um, 7 to 8% a year, right? So any debt that costs you more than 7 to 8%, you might want to be a little bit more aggressive on it. Any debt that's going to cost you less than um, 7%, so 6% or less, then I would be paying it, but I would be giving it its minimum, maybe plus a little bit, and then putting my energy elsewhere. But now you have to be disciplined because if you're going to pay the minimum plus just a little bit to that debt and then trick up your money on foolishness, then you're going to have debt and then nothing growing here. It's only if you're going to be committed to learning and growing your wealth because in so doing, then you're able to to put um, money toward that debt in a concrete way. I'll give an example. So I. I paid off my credit. I had $35,000 worth of credit card debt because of some scam. So I was really aggressive with paying that off. And then I was going to get aggressive with paying off my student loan debt. But a light bulb went on. I said, Tiffany, it took you almost four years to pay off this $35,000 debt. This is when I was like, you know, living hand to mouth, starting to budget. Right. It was, you know, so I'm like, it took you a long time. Your student loan, your student loan debt is $50,000. So $35,000 for took you four years almost. So am I not going to get to the budget Nista for another, what, five, six years? Oh, heck no. And my student loan debt was um, like 5% interest. And I said, you know what? I, I, I didn't pay the minimum because the minimum was a few hundred dollars a month. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put it back in forbearance. This is not for everybody, but this is what I did. I'm going to put it back in forbearance and I'm going to put my energy toward and my money toward growing the budget Nista. Because my, the debt is not accumulating, the interest is not accumulating on my debt super rapidly because the interest rate is so low on my student loan debt. So for two years, I put everything I had into the budgetista. I mean, everything as far as like my time, my energy right. into growing this business. And at the end of two years, I was able to not only pay off my student loan debt with one check, um, then a year after that, well, yeah, a year after that, I was able to buy this house with one check, renovate this house, six figures, one check, pay off my parents' house with one check, purchase my car, one check, my husband purchased his car with one check. And some people are like, well, that's easy because you married. Be clear. What I make in one month is double what he makes in a year. Okay. So it's not because people will tell you like, it's because, oh, that's because you had, no, no, no. I mean, my, my I created a financial life for myself long before I met him. We're actually newly married. I, I got married in my late thirties. So it's not, it was, I was able to, you're able to do this on your own. Is it harder if you have children? Yes. Cause people always be like, sometimes what, what, what worries me when I share my story is that people will use it to say, oh, that's why. Because I can't do that. And you're right. 
You're right. Because you have already told yourself that there's nothing I could do for right. you. But I listen to Will Smith. I am not a Hollywood movie star. I'm not, I don't live in, in wherever he lived. And yet I can listen to Will Smith's wisdom and take the components that are for me and to use them to grow myself. That's why I challenge people to do that. When people are telling their story, it's their story, but it doesn't mean there's not something in there for you. You can exactly. use their story to, 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 to discourage yourself or you can use their story to encourage you. Well, did you have kids? Would you? Well, my parents had five, and yet somehow they came here from Africa with nothing, and college educated five girls, and live in a beautiful home. So, what, uh, you're looking for an excuse as to why? I mean, right. you can you can find every excuse in the world, or you can find an excuse for the yes. I don't want to live my life full of no's. I don't look. I don't because it doesn't benefit anyone. Okay, right. you you win the you win the I can't Olympics. Yay! You can't. Your life is less. Like what? What is the parade you're trying to throw for yourself? I want right. you to have. Don't look for the like, can't be me. Look for the, ooh, although this part of her life is different, this part, I see myself in that, I could do it too. That's one, one of the best, I guess, sayings or wisdom that I ever got from one of my mentors. And he said, you know what? If you argue for your limitations, guess what? You get to keep them. Yep. <laughs> right. If you yeah. argue for your limitations, you get mm -hmm. to keep them. And so that was something to me. And I was like, oh, man. And the reality of it is, it's just like uh, the four minute mile by Benjamin Bannister. Right. Mm -hmm. Where he broke that four minute mile. But it was because at the end of the day, he didn't put any limitations on himself. And I think that kids are the greatest. Like we I got my daughter right now. She's two and a half and <laughs> everything she can do. She can do it all. I mean, she could cook spaghetti. She, yes. Obviously, she can. But I can do I can do. And then yes. she's got to go through it and then she has no problem with yep. saying can you help me like you know but because we get these emotions that all of a sudden we're like oh man I'm gonna look bad but we had yeah. to try it ourselves first yep. and then you ask for help because at the end of the day people don't ever care but we let these 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 small beliefs in our head tell us yeah. that we're not capable of something and at the end of the day it's the people just like why we say dream nation those of us who dare to dream while the rest of the world settles because mm -hmm. at the end of the day we're the ones who stand to be trailblazers and change makers and I I think over your last seven, eight years, you've clearly proven that. And just because you had that mindset. So I, I love that. Uh, for you, how much has real estate been a factor in your uh, wealth building? Like, do you focus on real estate or is for you, are you still a big advocate of, of making sure that you're heavy into the stock market or what's that look like for you? And how would so, you, how would you specifically advise other people who are brand new to this thing? They're not trying to be an expert, but they're just like, okay, I got a little bit of money I need to invest here. What do you say? So I, I say, well, one, you want to put your, when it comes to investing, investing in the thing that you're willing to put the energy into learning about. Mm. So when I first started, I was like, anybody interested in stocks? Bye. I'm not, it seems boring. I don't know. Right. And then real estate takes, took to more money than I was willing. I was like, I don't have money for real estate, but business, huh? There was just something about business that I really took to. And I was willing to put the time and the energy um, and the funds toward business. So that's where I grew my base. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that. I know plenty of people who made money with real estate, plenty of people who made money with stocks. You have to figure out where does your interest lie because that's where you're going to put the work into. It's not mm -hmm. going to feel forced, you know? Um, right. And it's going to keep you interested. And so the large part of my wealth that I've grown has been in business. And it's only just recently that I'm like, so when it came to like stocks, I was like, oh, okay, you know, as it relates to like retirement things like that. So it was very like, you know, just like, a, like, you know, let me get the, the, the bare foundation of my retirement account is, is, is funded. But now I'm getting into it just a little bit more because I'm like, okay, I have a little bit more 
a lot more passive income to kind of play with. So I've been taking courses on my own. Like one of my friends, Tila, has a course called uh, Trade Your 9 to 5 that I really like. And and then real estate has really been in the last, I want to say two or three years. I was, my husband is a super for the city where we live. And I was like, bro, all of our friends call you to come check out their new real estate that they bought to see if it's a good buy. To see, why are we not doing that for ourselves? You know, right. he's going to retire fairly early. The good thing about, there's something to be said, you know, people always, I, I believe in entrepreneurship, but there's also something to be said for for having a job, you know, a regular job. So his job is great because the insurance is like, you can't purchase this level of insurance. You can, but it was going to be very pricey. Right. And, and um, he's fortunate in that because he works for the state, he's one of the few people left that still has a pension, right? Mm. So, and to me, the pension part is not what we care about because we, we make plenty, but it's the insurance that he gets to take with him after 25 years of service. And for him, that's age 46. So that's incredible that we can be insured up Right. For the rest of our lives, you know, understand like what that means at 80 years old, not have to come out of pocket for insurance. It's worth his weight in gold. Got right. It. So, so for him, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're investing in real estate because that's something after he, after moving beyond where he works now, that's where he wants to lean into. And so we bought our first investment property recently. I got it. I love it. And so start with where you are, start with what you feel like you can put the most energy into mm-hmm. because it's going to be tough, right? Everything's yeah. hard. Stocks are hard. It, it, there's no get rich quick. But if you know that you got the energy and you can put in the effort, that's where you'll come out ahead. And then you can always diversify and go into one of the other two or three yes. or whatever else afterwards. One question though that I have, and this is a question that comes up to me often, is it sounds were you already pretty successful before you and your husband got together? Yes. Okay. And the reason why I ask that is because you you talked about in the beginning security, right? You can't put your security into a job, you gotta bet on you. But then your husband works on the other side, right? Where he really has that security for Mm -hmm. whatever reasons that he's comfortable with. So for a lot of people that want that entrepreneurship, for you, was it an easy, do you feel like it was a lot easier because you were already a successful entrepreneur than if you would have been just trying to get your business off the ground and he's working a nine to five and yet you're trying to figure it all out? Because for a lot of people, them and their spouses already had these nine to fives and they Mm -hmm. want to create a program like Budget Nista But then they're like, well, I don't think my spouse will approve of this. What's your thoughts on that? So I think that a husband and I like talk a lot about our dreams to figure out what is it that we're both wanting. And it was important to me that because I've had partners before, like not, you know, that, that, um, not guys that were, I didn't, we didn't get married, but I had partners before that honestly weren't with it. They were not interested in me growing like my first like boyfriend in college, I just knew we were going to get married, but there was like this pit in my stomach because I, I didn't even know I was building something, but I just knew that there was something in me. So I used to work on a night, work on a morning. Right. And I found myself sneaking to work on stuff because he would be like, you know, you making dinner or like you, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, uh, wait, like, like literally, like I was cheating. I was cheating on my drink with my dreams, you know? Right. And that's why I was like, in my twenties, I was like, oh, hell no, girl, this ain't it. This is not it. So, but like really because you're, you're already married, sometimes you, you think that person might not be on board, but sharing what your goals and dreams are and asking what their goals and dreams are and how do we actively work on them together? Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons, like I said, we bought that investment property because my husband's like, you know, I've always wanted to, to look into real estate because quite honestly, I'm not that interested in real estate, but it's something that he was like, I've always wanted to look. I was like, okay. So I put my energy toward like, like, let's talk about like, what does that look like? You know, you know, what kind of house should we look for? Like, you know, so like giving him the, 
the the support that he needs for his goals and dreams. So now he's off and running. He now we have a, a friend of ours who's a, a project manager. So we bought a tax um, deed property from the city for ten thousand dollars. Mm. And so, but it's a, it, it needs to be totally gutted and renovated. And so in the beginning, I could tell my husband was a little unsure about like, oh, okay, so us looking and navigating together. And then once we got to a certain point, I could see he was like, I was like, bye, babe. I'm out because, I, like I said, I have no interest in. Right. So now he works with our our friend, and they they've been renovating the house and getting it together and getting the contractors and going to. He's I I couldn't tell you what not that I couldn't tell you what's happening, but I know it's going good. And I look at like oh okay, that's good, but you know sometimes just giving your spouse the support they need to have the confidence to move forward. So so he supports me and what I need, which is just like you know I, I don't need anything other than you have the space and the freedom to be Tiffany. Cause I work a lot. And then two, the support of like, you good. Like when, like yesterday I, I did a CBS had a documentary that they, they like CBS news and that they hired me to be the host for about insurance fraud. And so he's over there with his phone watching, like videotaping it, texting right. people like you see, you know, that's what I need, you know? Cheerleader, and so right? like somebody's just in my corner. Exactly. So identifying what it is that you need for support, but also identifying what it is that your spouse needs for support and having those conversations so you can support each other. You'd be surprised in doing so how they might be more open to trying something new. Man, I love it. That's a nugget right there in itself. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. Let me ask, how do you keep the balance? Because you said I work a lot. Your husband's obviously, he's got a set schedule. Maybe it sounds like he's got a set schedule. Mm -hmm. How do you keep balance? Because for a lot of people, especially right now, if they're now in a new environment where now they're having to work from home and their kids can just come in the room, especially if they're a woman, like they, everyone needs mom, mm -hmm. right? Mom, mom, mom. So how do you keep the balance? Do you think that there is a such thing as balance? No, because I don't. <laughs> I mean, to this, to this day, <laughs> like I, I, yes, I don't believe in balance. I believe in harmony. Mm. And so balance is when things are, are in equal measure, right? Ain't no such thing. Like everything is weighed in equal measure. Oh, same as that. No, harmony is when things collectively work together for, for the greater good. So mm. there are moments when I don't have to like, like, so I keep like, for example, I don't work on Fridays. Okay. I keep my Wednesdays light. And I keep my Mondays semi-light-ish, but really Wednesdays and, and Fridays, I keep super light. And then typically I don't have to work um, on the weekends. And especially now we're not, because weekends would be for like travel if I was speaking somewhere or whatever, but that's not happening now. So during those moments are when I lean in. So uh, I, I lean in heavily when I don't have to be the budget nista because I know I have to lean in heavily when I do have to be the budget nista. Like just yesterday, I called my sister She's got two little ones, Amelia, who's three, and Roman, four, going on five, going on 100. And <laughs> she was like, I was like, oh, I haven't seen the kids in a while. She said, what time you want to drop them off? Because she was like, I'm tired. Right? <laughs> so, I'm tired, so what? And I'm thinking like, oh, hour, six hours later, I'm like, you ain't coming to get these kids. <laughs> but it was like, yesterday, I was Auntie Tiffany. That's it. Like, because you already know, if you have little ones, you have the, you open that computer, it's our computer now. Right. My, my niece took right. my phone, but 
promptly put in my code and typed YouTube kids. It was like, girl, this belongs to me now. I saw her, a text came in. She had the nerve to swipe it up. Like, girl, bye. This is not (laughs) Yeah, so that's really the key. Is that, that's what I found for me is that when, and I tell this to my team too. I was like, if we're not launching, stop being in launch mode. So meaning that when we're launching a new product or service, it's all hands on deck. It's weekends, it's nights, da, 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 da. Usually it's a few weeks of that. And then afterwards, really teaching them like, we don't have to continue that same energy. We're not launching. Pull back, wusa. So when I'm not budgetista-ing, why am I in budgetista mode? Like if I'm, if, if it's niece and nephew time, it's niece and nephew time. Right. So I need to put all those other things away and just be full-fledged in here because I give a lot to the budgetista. I ought to give a lot to the things that also mean more to me there. So working in things in harmony, I'm not, you know, I try my best. I mean, I'm always, and also checking in with the people around you. Like, you know, am I being a good friend? Like I'll ask my husband, like, is there, you know, like, I'm like, sometimes I feel guilty. I'm like, I know I haven't been a good wife this week. He's like, no, babe, I know you've been busy. I'm like, no, well, let's, let's, what, 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 like, let's do something on Friday. Let's make right. it Friday. It's moving. You know what I mean? Because I want you having those conversations about like checking in, like, you know, once the last time I, I, I reached out to my parents, let me make sure that they're good. And even asking my best friend, have I been a good friend? Have I been here? Is there mm. something you need? So like, you know, and, and try not to be so hard on yourself. Sometimes I can be um, hard on myself, but try not to be so hard on yourself. Instead of being hard on myself, how can I um, be better? How can I show up? Because also I want to teach my team that work is not the most important thing. I always tell them right. that the most important thing is family. The second most important thing is family. The third most important thing is family. So if anything, like uh, my admin called today, she's on the phone like, hello. And I'm like, cause we have a call every morning. I'm like, are you all right, Ebony? She was like, oh, I had food poisoning last night. I'm like, ma'am, why are you on this call? Right. The emails, I said, uh-uh, click. And I said, check your Slack. I'm going to give you, because my mom was a nurse. I'm going to give you a list of the things that your husband needs to get for you. You need clear broth soup. You need this, you need this, that. And I was like, I don't want to hear from you today. I don't want to hear from you even tomorrow. Because, but you, like, as a, as a CEO, I have to enforce that I'm not just talking about family and your, and your health and your happiness is most important. I have to be about it, too. It's not that serious. Right. You know? The harmony. I, I got to definitely, definitely use that and remember that, right? There's no such thing as balance, but when things work in harmony together, because we look at it even when you have a spouse and they're like, man, you guys are so opposite, right? But opposites attract, as we all know, sometimes that's what a lot of people say, but how do you make that marriage work? How do you make that relationship work? It's probably not because of balance, because two different mindsets, two different sets of emotions. But if you could figure out a way to work together and work in harmony, that's everything. And I think with business, a lot of the times that's as well. Once you, if you're not the analytical person, right? If you're not that person, but you hire a CFO who only wants to talk numbers, it's very hard to balance that out. Mm -hmm. It's got to be harmony of there's give and takes in everything. Mm -hmm. So thank you for dropping that knowledge bomb. The last thing that I want to know is for you, as you've built this business, how much of this has been that you've been proactive as opposed to reactive? And what do I mean by that? So in proactive, in the world that we live in today, a lot of people want to build businesses. They want to get their brand out there. They want to get their name out there. And it's become a pay-to-play world. Are you somebody who you are pro pay-to-play as in Facebook ads and, and doing all these things of where you're going to be proactive on it? Mm-hmm. Or are you somebody that you've just put in more of the organic work and you've let it all come to you like again, CBS or Forbes, Entrepreneur, whatever it is, and then you've just taken on that? So I would say 
Right now we're 50-50 proactive, reactive. But in the very beginning, I would say the first five years was totally uh, reactive. Like I, di- I didn't even know what, what ads were. Mm. I didn't even know they were a thing back then when I first started. You know, I didn't know... I didn't, I, I knew how to organically market, you know, doing like posts and, and engaging folks and things like that. But like the literature challenge, the 10,000 people that signed up that first year was 2015. It was all organic. It was just social posts, me telling a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. I didn't even know, like I said, I didn't know anything about affiliate links. I didn't know anything about any of those things. It was just, I was a hundred percent organic business. Yeah. And then my business partner came on. And he was, he's a, a, a digital marketing like genius. So he started to bring in that component that I had no idea about. And he was like, Timmy, you don't worry about, it. I will do this. You continue to have this organic connection with people and you do that. My job is to amplify who you already are is to say, Hey, if you only knew Tiffany, you would love her. So right. my job is to make sure more people see you, not for you to be different in any way. So we, it's literally such a great marriage in that I am the same Tiffany from 10 years ago. Someone was just telling me that. They're like, are you the same dang old Tiffany from 10 years ago? I'm like, well, who else would I be? Right. right. But I, you know, but uh, cause I, I myself and his role is to make sure more people see who I already am, you know? So I don't, I, don't, I haven't changed the messaging. I haven't changed the way that really I speak, except maybe I'm actually probably like more loose now. Cause I probably was more nervous in the beginning. But like, I, I, I get to be fully me, someone who, who deeply cares, someone who's here to help women live better lives, someone who's here to affect change positively. I am a teacher. I'm the same Tiffany. It's just that my voice is amplified more. So I, I think that they both play a huge role. I think that you, you can't amplify a dead message, you mm. know? And so if I wasn't me, you know, if I wasn't showing up the way I show up, then all the marketing in the world, he would successfully market a bad product. You don't want that because he's an amazing marketer. He would be amazing at marketing something that doesn't work. You ever see people, the comments under people's posts and they're like, you know, it's like, I never got my, my dress or right. you know, the such and such doesn't work. Oh my God, you don't want that. Like if you look under our posts, we don't really get that. We don't get that negative feedback because we are successfully marketing something that is good. You know, so I put my name behind everything. I love it. Now, there's somebody out there that's wondering, girl, where can I find one of him? What would you say? <laughs> how, how, how would someone find that person if they feel like, listen, I don't know anything about ads, but I have a great message. How can mm-hmm. I find that person that can help me amplify my voice, my message and who I am, but not change who I am? So, well, first and foremost, you, before you even find yourself a Jabril, you need to find yourself, mm. you know? So meaning that are you, are you clear about your messaging? You know, like, so you have to learn to market yourself. Every business owner knows, should know how to market. You have to, meaning that, so I want you to get good at organically marketing because when he came on board, it was like, oh, Tiffany, you already write great copy. You know, your audience, you know, your messaging. It's just, I'm putting money behind it. And then we tweak to get better. So it's almost like when people say they want to hire a publicist, I'm like, you don't need no publicist. It, you should be able to pitch yourself because then, then it's just so much more easier later when you are ready for a publicist to be able to have someone come in and to just to amplify more what you're already doing. So, cause people are wanting that. Like I get it when people ask for that, like, Oh, I wish I had a Jabril. No, what you're saying is I wish I had an easy way out. Mm. So what happens if something happens to Jabril, then what happens to the business? If that's the only way that people have come to know and see me, and I don't, I don't attract people in any other way. You don't want to lean on, this is the only way. There is a strong organic component to what we do as well. 
You know, you want to make sure that's happening there. So before you look for that marketing person, make sure that you are mastering your messaging and your, and your organic marketing. And then, I mean, there are marketing companies that are, honestly, I would probably look on uh, Facebook has amazing, uh, like affinity groups, basically. Right. So joining like digital marketing groups and and vetting for that, or even if you are, if you are in like, there's, there are groups for like black women entrepreneurs, black men entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in general, teacher entrepreneurs. So joining those groups and asking, who are you guys using? So that's, you know, that's, so that's a place to look too. But like, yeah, first and foremost, you want to have a strong foundation, like, so no one can rock and sock you. Like so many brands, so many people I know built their brand, what I call from the top down, meaning they've got connection with like the CNNs, the CBS, you know? All of those people, and then and then as a result, people know them. But right. what happens when CNN ain't messing with you no more? What happened when CBS is on to the next one, and mm-hmm. your name was no longer spoken on that? So I remember when I was building my business, I wanted a business that no one could take from me because I was like, I didn't want to go back to preschool teacher Tiffany right. to take <laughs> the school, right? I said, we're not doing that. So instead, my business is built on on uh, Tamara, Karen, Logan, meaning each individual woman. So every so it's like. 10,000, then 20, then for like now we've got well over um, um, a million women that follow the brand. And so there's not one entity that can take away what's been built. You know, mm. there's something strong in that. And that, so if a brand, like right now, I'm not working with that. Like I typically don't work with a ton of brands because most of them are, are, are crap, quite honestly. And so there's no brand, there's no TV show, there's no media outlet that could say like, oh, we're not working with Tiffany anymore. Okay, bye girl, my business stands the same. We're right. still eight figure your business. We don't need them. And I say, I work with next to none. Like, I know friends of mine who work, he makes seven figures working with brands. So there's nothing wrong with that. But the worry is what if the brand doesn't want to work with you? I'm not worried about it because my income comes directly from the people that we serve. There is no middleman. And so mm. like just b- being mindful of, not being in such a rush to grow that you grow in a way that's not, that's not stable for you. So creating a foundation that no one can take from you because it's a foundation you've built with your direct audience. I think that's critically important. Oh, absolutely. And would you say another critical component of it is the email list? Like for you, did you, would you say that that was a critical component of building such a massive list to where then you were able to put out your offers and, or, or was it not that? Was it really just the connection? So in the beginning, I, like, I mean, I used to collect email, but I didn't know what to do with them. I was like, I heard people say, talking about email lists. I'm like, I guess, right? So right. it wasn't until maybe like six years in that started to lead into the list. So yes, the email list is definitely um, important, but who cares about your email list if no one's opening your emails, mm. right? So like you can have a million people on your email list. We, our email list open rate is three times the industry standards for finance. Our click-through rate is four times the industry standard for finance. Why? Because we built a connection out here. So when you see my email, you're like, oh, that's my girl, Tiffany. What's she talking about? You see what I mean? So it all works. See that harmony? So people want to lean into... So if you're looking for the... I call the gotcha, gotcha, the gimmicky scheme. Like, oh, okay, I got to get my email. And I got to... You know, you're going to get what you get, which is not much. So like... But if you are looking at a cohesive way to connect with your audience it all works congruently together like the email the the social posts mean that you're going to open the email the email list means that you're going to use the products and service i suggest the products and service are so good means that when i suggest that someone else's product and service you're going to use that as well do you see what i mean i have right. literally done things with a team where other 
companies have come to me. Like, so there are other like brands that come to me. Maybe they, they have like a stock course or whatever, like my friend. Right. And we have um, done, I'm like, okay, my audience trusts me so much because I only, I've, in 10 years, I have really vetted to make sure I only give what's, what's of value and that I can do a live, a few emails and a closing live. And in three days, we have made 200, $250,000 in three days. Mm. Literally built somebody a six-figure business in a weekend. Right? right. So that doesn't just come from, oh, that's your email. No, no, no. That comes from relationship. That comes from years of pouring in. I was telling my, I, so I have chapters. So dream catchers are my tribe. It's like a million women worldwide. We have dream catcher chapters in different states. Right. And so the chapter leaders, we had our first national leadership like conference meeting yesterday. And I was telling them, I was asking them, because I believe in servant leadership. What do you want? What do you need? I said, I have this unique ability to connect with people in a way that's real, that when I ask for something, I have yet to receive a no, when it's on behalf of y'all. Meaning I have asked people who have $10,000 programs, you know, $1,500 program, whatever, to do something specifically for dream catchers, either for free or at like next to no cost. And I have yet to receive a no. And it's easy to say, well, that's because you're the budget needs to not. No, no, no. From the very beginning till now, I'm talking about when I first started and I was trying to ask myself, why is that? Like I asked a friend of mine who has this huge black girl um, therapy brand, if she could come and teach a free class to my audience. I actually asked two of my friends and I thought to myself, why these, these women, like they have since then built audiences huge, you know? And I'm like, she was like, oh, I'll do it. Cause I was like, do you know anybody? She's like, no, I'm me, Tiffany. I'm, I'm going to do this for you. And I was like, and I was thinking about myself, why would she do this for me? And then I remember six years ago, when she was first starting and she had her first in-person kind of like mini conference and she asked me to speak and I showed up. I showed up, I stayed late, I came early. And I, I thought about my other friend, same thing. Before I even knew her, she asked me to come. It was like six people in the room and I was one of the six speaking. This is when like, you know, the budget needs to was kind of bumping then, but I, I showed up and I right. think to myself over and over and over again, how many seeds like that, that I have planted? You know how many people I've hit behind the scenes or they've hit me behind the scenes and I'm like, girl, just call me. I don't even know them. And I will right. pour even before we got on this phone right now, every, 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 um, once a week I have like a, well, I have a two leadership calls with my lead team, but on Mondays we do something called our mental health check-in where we check in with each other. And a friend of mine is struggling with her team. And she was like, you know, I'd love to pick your brain. And I was like, you know what? I'll do even better. Join our, our, our leadership call. So you can see how we interact. And all of those are the team leads, our COO, our CFO, our managers. All. And so you can hear from dip from different folks, how they, they work through leadership. Right. And, but do you understand? So, I mean, so here she is. I mean, she asked me for this. She asked me for a dime. I'm giving you a dollar. So then three years from now, when I'm like, hey, girl, can you do me? Yes. Oh, why didn't you even tell you what I want? Yes. Well, girl, you. Oh, you see what I mean? Right. Are you are you planting those seeds and not planting those seeds for 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 return on investment, but planting for planting sake? That's why I don't get no no's because like and also too, people want to be of service to people as well. Sometimes people don't have an outlet for that. So when I ask people to come in in service to my community, they're like, yes. And then I'll turn around and be like, oh, and by the way, I can also, you know, you want six figures this month? Boom. Because you have an excellent. People ask all the time, like, oh, Tiffany, I would, I would love to partner with you. Well, what are you bringing to the table? Right. Like partner. Are you saying you want to partner with me? Or, hey, Tiffany, can you make me some money? Because I'm not foolish. Come on now. Right. Now, if you want to really be of service, girl, serve. Oh, uh, that's not what you want. Okay, no. I don't do that. People ask all the time. And here's the thing. 
you know, we get a commission. So I could be, I could be doing it every weekend. And I'm like, no, not a fit, not a fit, not a fit. Are you going to treat dream catchers the way I would treat dream catchers? Are you going to pour into them and love on them and make sure they're good? Are you going to over, over compensate? Are you going to give them 10 times what they paid for? Anyone who I partner with, we have that talk ahead of time. Like, so if you think you're going to do this version for dream catchers and give them a small snippet of what you do for everybody else, think again. So what mm. I need you to do is bring it all. Yeah, but I have this other product, you know, that's $2,000. Okay. But you said you wanted to connect. So I need you to bring it all. And I promise you, many of those dream catchers are going to buy that $2,000 product. And that's exactly what happens. They pay the $25, $30, whatever, to have this like dream catcher version of a product or service. And then they go on to invest deeply. I said, why? Because when you pour into people, they pour back. The law right. of reciprocity states that like, you know, you holding back. People are people. They can feel you. They right. can feel you cheating them. Right. And so like, I just wish more people, I said, I'm going to write a book one day and call it do good. How do you do good work? How do you help good people? And how do you make good money? And I said, I wasn't going to write that book until I got eight figures. Right. And I was making, I had an eight figure a year business because people were like, oh girl, a hundred. Oh, that's cute. Cause you make a hundred thousand dollars girl. No, it's like, okay, well, what happens when you're making $20 million a year? Can I speak on it now? That it right. is possible to do good work. It certainly is. So um, yeah, I'm just really passionate about that. If you're going to be about the people that you serve, serve, and then figure out how to monetize that service. It's not your audience's problem to figure out how to pay you. That's not on them. Serve, and then you and your team figure out how to monetize. You're not going to be able to monetize everything. And that's okay. Right. You know, love on them. Be transparent. Be kind. Yo, my audience goes up for you. For me, if someone says something negative, about me in the comments or in the, or under my, when I tell you, it's like the beehive. They're like, right, what? That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> what? They're like, not the budget. That's who you coming for. I'm telling you. Not but that's today. what happens when, right. But that's what happens when you love. And the person, Oh, I didn't know. I just, I just, I wasn't really sure. I just, I, well, you know, I never heard of her before, but clearly I'm going to look at her and stuff. You build an audience like that. That's what happens when you love on them. Someone said that to me the other day. They're like, yo, Tiffany, I know if you say it's real, is this a good service or a product or whatever? I know if you tell me, you're not going to lie to me. Can you imagine like what? Oh yeah. These are people. Who, yes. So, I mean, I feel like if I owned a bank, I would have a million people who, who deposited money into, into my bank. If I owned a record, I would have a million people that deposited money in, into, my, into my music. Because when you build a level of trust with your audience, there's nothing that you can't bring to them. But you right. want to be mindful and be a good steward of that trust. Yeah. Being a good steward of that trust. It is, it is your, to me. Yeah. I, I just don't like when I see people take advantage of the people they serve and, you know, trying to, you know, do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like, let me just get my money and be out. You know, you're going to be exposed and, right. and a lot of people are going to lose, including you. You won't be here five, 10, 20 years from now. I'm not worried about, you know, where we're going to be 20 years from now, whether I, I have a show or have this or that, I'm going to be good. Cause dream catchers are good. I love it. I love it. There, there's somebody out there that wants to know, You've given so much wisdom already. There's somebody out there, though, including myself, that wants to know if you could look back on these last 10 years and you could give yourself, if you had to build it all over again, knowing what you know now with just your wisdom, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself to be able to scale even faster than what you have, which is an amazing amount of time being able to do all of this in really just seven or eight years? I would have learned to lead. I would have learned to lead faster. So in the beginning, it was just me, 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 right? And I should have practiced leadership with interns, with help, because I was doing everything myself. And it, it took me 
some time to learn to how to be a, a leader. I was not a good leader in the beginning. I didn't know what I was doing. I had to get, at first, it, it's a mix between I was giving away too much power and then I was keeping too much power. I didn't know how to lead. And I, I, didn't, I didn't start practicing leadership until I actually was basically paying people. And it's like, ah! So I would have practiced leadership with interns and, and mentees and, and practiced that. First of one, identify my leadership style, identify what worked or didn't work because you have to work and navigate through that. Now, oh, I'm a beast at leadership. You know, I always just had my lead team call and I was listening to them like, oh, yeah, because listening to them uh, mentor my friend who needed the help with her leadership, just to hear my team and how like confident and strong they were and how how much they felt like listened to and autonomous yeah. on the team. And I was like, Tiffany, you did a damn good job, girl. Listen to these women on a call, feeling themselves like, you know, no one felt like, well, you know, it was just, no. It was like, yep, Tiffany lets me do what I want to do. And mm. I'm here to be, I'm here to be a support to them. And to, I might interject here and there and be like, well, let's see if we could tweak it this way. But ultimately I hired you to know our hired did you hired you to figure it out? And I'm always like, look, I'm making it up just like you. I, who's been here before? Not me. Right. I talk to my team all the time. Like, well, what team. Should we do? But I'm like, girl, you, your guess is as good as mine. Right. <laughs> and so it Thanks. loosens up everyone to be like, oh, okay. Tiffany don't know even now, girl. You know, all I know is our mission. And here's the thing. And we also have a joke too on our team is that uh, I remember an intern one time, she made a mistake, like with the email, she had like the wrong date or time or something. And she was like crying and she was like, oh yeah. And I called her and she was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh my God, girl, who did you kill? She's like, what? I was like, who did you kill? You can't stay here murdering folks. She was like, what? I was like, girl, you sent out an email. Did you kill somebody? She was like, no. I was like, well, girl, wipe your tears. It's not that serious. Not that serious. uh, on my team, they just know I have an expectation of excellence, which means you bring your best. Your best might be a C plus. I'm okay with that. I mm. am. It just might be your, we, I might not have you working in your genius zone. So you might be a C plus here, but A plus here, I have an expectation of excellence. And you can expect that if you do right by me, I do better by you. So leadership is the number one thing that I wish I could have, because very little I would change about the journey because I couldn't be here without the lessons. Mm. But I definitely wish I would have practiced my leadership skills earlier on, on, you know, like just so I could, I could get a sense of, of who it would have just, it would have been a lot less work because I was doing too much. I was overwhelming myself. I, you know, like there was times when I was highly stressed because I was taking on all the things. And if I had practiced leadership, I would know that I could relinquish those things to the people that work for me and work with me. Absolutely. Is there, is there one thing that you would credit to being able to get better at your leadership skills? Like a lot of people read book, good to great things like, like what would you credit? Was it just a mentor? No, it was like, what, what happened was I had like a, a, like a critical person on my team. She was really like, she was everything. It was like my right hand. And then the, the relationship soured. I don't know what happened. And I didn't notice. And I had, I, 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 I don't know the word um, that I'm thinking for. I, I outsourced leadership to her. Mm. You know, because I didn't, I didn't like, I was like, I'm, I'm someone who was like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want the hard conversations. I don't like, I just want to do the work. I love teaching. And a girl, you can go ahead and tell everybody what to do. And I didn't realize there were things happening there where the way she was leading wasn't, it wasn't in alignment with the way I wanted people to feel and be treated. It was very much with a heavy hand. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's not how I do things. But by then I had given her so much power that when I tried to be like, well, I'm okay. It was like, no girl, basically I'm, I'm your boss too. I'm the right. captain now. And I was like, ah, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I was scared. One time she had me scared of my own company. Wow, it's I like you created a up. monster. What? I was scared to show up. I was scared to push back. I was scared to be like, oh my God, 
I don't even know people's names on the team. Who that? Right. Like, you know, I didn't. So I remember I was so scared. Um, and then she made these like incredible demands. Like, I want this. I want this. I want your company. I want like, it was crazy. Her demands. And I was like, okay, you're fired. She was like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, you can't stay here. And it was it basically was like, I had see what you're going to do without me. And it was like, what are we going to do? I didn't even know how to log into certain things. But you know what? And so for the first six months, we were like, you know, scrambling. I was listening to, there was a podcast with, was it Tim Ferriss about, or it was a podcast about audacious goals. I don't know if he was interviewed on that podcast, but it was a podcast that I listened to that where someone was talking about audacious goals. Those were the words. And I remember being like, okay. And I remember the, the one thing I, 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 am, I am good at, and I think every leader should be good at, is that even when it's coming from a source that you don't like, or trust or respect, finding the lesson in all the things. A teacher in me can find the lesson in all the things. So it right. can be someone terrible. And so when when that my right hand, when I fired her, there were some things that she said that was like, it would be easy to be like, well, everything she says is a lie because look what kind of person she turned out to be. But it wasn't. There were some things that she said that I was like, Tiffany, this is true. Despite mm. all of this, these three things are true. She felt there wasn't transparency in pay. She didn't know I was paying her more than me, but how would she know that? Because I never, I never kind of showed her the trajectory of her income. So she thought that she was being cheated, even though I was paying her more than me. So once I showed her that, she was like, oh, so there was not enough transparency in how am I being paid? There wasn't, she felt overworked. There was never this sense of like, I can shut off. So I was like, okay, I can acknowledge that this is right. Because it was just me and her. We were overworking ourselves yeah. know, unnecessarily. And there was a, a third thing. It was, she didn't feel appreciated. So transparency work balance and appreciation. And I said, okay, even though I did appreciate her, but it doesn't matter what I did. That's not how she felt. Right. And so those three things, I remember I was like, I pulled those three things out and I started listening to podcasts. I listened to that one about audacious goals. I started listening to podcasts. I listened to Simon Sinek. He's got this great um, start with why I actually have his book in my bag. I'm reading it again right now. Yeah. Um, um, it's a great TEDx talk about like so I was like, okay, now that she's gone, it's good. Cause you know, there, there are people that not everyone on the team um, hated her. There were people who loved her. So I'm like, now she's gone. What do I do? Because now people are like, there are people who loved her who barely knew me. Right. And they were like, you know, so I was like, how do I, so we started with why, like, why did we, why did I start this company? The core mission of helping women, especially um, uh, women of color and how we doing that through education and the what, here are some components of the, what that, how it manifests itself. But also too, I created to, uh, to us to address the transparency. I created this, this color grid with the CFO at the time about what color, because I wanted it to be transparent that everyone could kind of see what they should be making, but not know what everybody else was making. So we made a color grid. You knew your color. And so if you were pink and you knew pink was intern and interns were making, you know, 12 bucks an hour and, and that's the low tier. But so it's the, the color that you're on. And then it's also the, either the beginning of the tier, middle of the tier, the end of the tier. So you can quickly identify, oh, I'm blue. And you knew exactly what blue meant. Blue meant, might mean that you're working on one project on one team. But green is a multiple projects on multiple teams. So you're like, oh, if I want to go from blue to green, this is what I have to do. And right. I also know that if I go to green, I'm going to start in the beginning part of green, which may be, say, $30,000 a year. But then uh, six months later, because we give raises at least once a year, typically every six months, I could potentially get in the mid group. But do you see? Like, yeah. it gave people this sense of like, oh, but, but she was right. Of all the other stuff, I was like, okay, so one, we created that chart. It helped significantly. 
then two about this balance, I was like, okay, so we really created like shut off times and really leaning into like, you know, like, you know, making sure you spend time with your family and doing that. So really like creating, like, these are our times that were closed. These are times that were open and also giving people the autonomy of when they wanted to work together versus, because there are people, some people who are night owls and prefer not to work during the day. So giving people that, that space and leeway. And then finally appreciation. So I started, I would say the first year after she left, I would do a spotlight and we have Slack, which is our internal messaging um, system. I would do a a spotlight on someone and to say how, why they were so great once a week, like when, when after she left, cause I wanted them to feel, now they feel the appreciation, but in the right. beginning, they didn't know me, know me. So I wanted them to feel that appreciation. And now we do that spotlight actually out in the open where we do, I call my team, I name them too. I call them unicorns. Cause I tell them they make ma- magic happen every day. So yeah. The unicorn squad. I got the unicorn squad t-shirts. We took them on an amazing um, retreat. This was our second one. Last year was our second one. We pay for everything. Flight, hotel, food, because everybody on my team works digitally all over around the country. Right. Flew them in, but you see that appreciation in real life. And when we're working there, you have to have been with the company at least a year. So when we're working there, there's no work. We're not, it's not working. We're going to the pool. We're, we're hanging out where we have a private chef come in and put cook all the food. So it's not about work. I mean, they might talk about work a little bit, but that's not what we're here to show you appreciation for this weekend about why, how amazing you are. But do you see how like it started from like, I have money, but we could do a spotlight and slack. Right. To, now we have the money to fly folks out. And I even now do unicorn spotlight on my social pages because a lot of people on the team have their own personal businesses. And it sounds mm. counterintuitive to showcase a business, even though they work for my business, Mm-mm, they go even harder. Like I've had p- help people make thousands of dollars. Like, Hey, Jadalise has a, it's a realtor. And is a course creator. Hey, she's amazing. Here's her picture. Here's where you can locate her. Here's her email. And see, and then, so now when I talk to Jolly, she's all like, girl, what you need from me? You know? Right, right. Because so, you've given so much value to her. And yes. you helped her establish her own foundation. Exactly. I, I always say, it. I can't want for me and not want for you. You Absolutely. can't, as a CEO and a founder, say, I want wealth. I want founda- a financial foundation. I want happiness. I want time. I can't want that for me and be like, oh no, but not your, y'all not right you. here are, are here to support me to make sure right. I get what I need. Mm-mm. We don't work that way. And people don't work that way. People are not going to go hard for you if it's your dream, your company. This company belongs to everyone who works here. Nobody works it. for me. They work with me. Right. You know? And so the dream is all of ours and everyone should feel like they have a piece of that dream and they benefit financially and otherwise from that dream. It, because if they're not, why should they be here? They should take their gifts and talents elsewhere. I truly believe that it is my role to earn the right to be mm-hmm. worthy to work with the people who work with me, to be worthy to work with, to, to have the audience that I have. I have to earn that right to work. People don't owe it to you to pay you anything. I have to earn the right to serve dream catchers. And if I don't earn the right to do so, they should leave. Mm-hmm. They should. They should go and be with someone who's going to take care of them. And you folks who are consumers of things, that's how you should look at people. Are they earning me? They, they over here talking to me wild and crazy. Like, oh, this raggedy email, like you don't clearly care. It's only buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing. Then you're not, you're not, they, they ought not to. Are you pouring into me? I teach my dream catchers. If someone is not pouring into you, don't pour into them. Right. Don't pour into them. People get mad. Oh, well, other, other business owners then do right by people. And you wouldn't have to right. worry. Facts. You know, you wouldn't have to worry. And so, yeah. So you can tell I'm passionate about Yeah, that. absolutely. And I love it. I, I'm sure anybody that's listening or watching right now is, yeah, like, I'm a dream catcher. I need to get in there. I love it. It's so dope. 
Let me, one thing that came up while you've been talking, and especially when you talked about what your mission statement is, and there is a mm-hmm. video that I've seen, and it's coincidentally you brought up Will Smith, because I'm such a huge fan of Will Smith as well. And that's the whole reason why I say, like, I'm going to get him on this podcast, Dream Nation, and then I'm going to connect you with him. If you Ooh, haven't okay. already connected before, why, no, mark no. my words. Right. I'll, I'll sow those seeds. Right. He he can't be doing movies till he's 70. At some point, he got to slow down a little bit and he's going to be looking to do some shows. Exactly. And I need my I need my name right in there. So one thing you talked about your mission, you talked about empowering women. Right. For a lot of people, they have a mission. They have a lot of talents, but they struggle with. And it's coincidentally that you brought up Tim Ferriss as well, because I seen a Tim Ferriss video just about a week ago. And he talks about should you be a generalist or should you be a specialist? Mm. For you, the budget nista, and you just really trying to empower women to go after business, right? But then also talking finances, they can be looked at as kind of having their own lanes, right? Talk to me about what is your thoughts on a generalist or a specialist? And more specifically, do you feel when somebody starts out to create their tribe, do they have to focus really honing in on a niche? Or can they know that I want to empower women or men or entrepreneurs? Is that good enough? I say it's the difference between being a bush business or a tree business, right? So here's a bush business. Soon as you out the gate... I do this, women, men, kids, money, this, the, the, bush business, right? So here you are, sprout, 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 and you, you stunt your growth because you're doing all things for all people all the time. Your growth is stunted. So is there some growth? Yes, but you don't grow past. You know, bushes only go, but so high. Yeah. I say be a tree business. A tree starts with one trunk. This is a specialist. So my, when I first started all, literally, I'm the budgetista because that's all I did was budgeting. That's it. Budgeting for women. That was literally in. And so I grew this tree trunk so strong, so thoroughly that eventually from that tree trunk. So this is my tree trunk. Now I can branch off to different things. Sky's the limit. So now I can talk about credit. I can talk about debt. I can talk about businesses. I can talk about all these different things because I can branch off from the strongest trunk that I could build. So Mm. I believe that you should be a mix of the both, but start off being a specialist building that tree trunk, building that trust, building that, that, that core tribe. My core tribe are black women. And now do we have other women that follow? Yes. Do we have men that follow? Yes. I always say as a teacher, it's not possible for me to want to teach and turn folks away. I don't turn anyone away. You know, anyone is welcome to come in, but I'm going to say sis. Someone said sis, like it was a dude. He was like, sis, sis, (laughs) because that is my core tribe. Now you are free to listen and learn. And I welcome you. Like I said, I do, but I know who I'm speaking to, my core tribe. And so that is my tree trunk. So yeah, starting off as a specialist and then you can end up being more general. I always think of Nike. Nike was a sneaker. Now there's Nike water, Nike watches, Nike this, because they built that tree trunk and you can branch off into anything once you build a tree trunk. And when you told me you had a two-year-old, like I just wrote, I wrote my first uh, children's book. I'm going to send you after um, yeah. give me your address. And so I wrote this little book because I was like, I want a little brown girl to have a book like, I love right? it. Right? So super chocolatey with a little right. Afro, 4C I Afro. I love it. And it teaches what I call pre-financial lessons for our kids. It's called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. And it's her birthday. She gets all these presents and she has to decide what's most important, stuff or family and friends. Mm. And so she's going to love it, your two-year-old. Yeah, um, she absolutely. <laughs> and so, but do you see how, how the budget Nisa has a children's book and yet and still we've sold in the last like two months, 5,000 copies. Wow. Why? Because it's one of the branches on my tree. I mm. couldn't have done that 10 years ago. I can branch off. I can be like, Budget Nisa got some water, y'all. 
Maybe not right now, but give me five years. I could probably have water. I could probably have lamps. I could probably have, you see what I mean? Because you've so, built yeah. such a big enough brand and foundation now. Yeah. So build that tree trunk. Be a specialist at first, and then you can branch off and be a little bit more general. I love it. There's somebody out there right now that is inspired by you. There's, I'm sure, hundreds, if not thousands of people that will find this at some point in their life and become a dream catcher and a Mm -hmm. part of your tribe. But right now, maybe they have that low voice in their head that says they're not smart enough, they're not strong enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing that you say to that person to get them to just take action? I say, you don't have to figure out the whole way. I live in New Jersey and I always think to myself, like if I had to drive to California and I was waiting for my headlights to shine the whole way, you would just never get started Mm. because headlights don't shine the whole way. Headlights understand that all they have to worry about and your car knows it's the next best step. That's it. So the way headlights work is that you're in a car and it shines like what, 60 feet ahead of you. And then when you close that gap, the next 60 feet is revealed. And that's how it works is that you're feeling like, I don't know all the things you're not meant to. I don't have, you're not, you're not supposed to. What do you know? Well, all right. I mean, I could Google Will Smith wisdom. Boom. That's it. That's the next best step. Once you Google Will Smith wisdom and watch, you're the next step will reveal. The next 60 feet in your car will be revealed because he's going to say, say something that's going to spark a thing. Like, oh, I should go get that book. You're going to read that book. And then something in that book is going to spark a thing and make, make you say, you know what? I'm going to reach out to my friend who says something when you're going to reach out to that friend and that friend is going to get next, give you the key. It's like literally like it's like playing a video game where you're collecting the things along the way. You know, you don't need to know all the steps. You're not even supposed to know all the steps. You're supposed to just know the next best step. Sometimes it's a Google search. Sometimes it's watching a YouTube channel. Sometimes it's listening to a podcast. Sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes it's speaking to a friend. Sometimes it's just thinking. Sometimes it's making a list. So you don't have to know the the whole way. You're not meant to have all the resources now. You wouldn't know what to do if Oprah called you right now. What you going to do? Do you have a (laughs) ring light so you don't look crazy on TV? I got a ring light, but you know what I learned how to get that ring light? I got this ring light four years ago. I wasn't ready for Oprah four years ago. Right. uh, 10 years ago, I used to like not know how to... um, like I had, I have locks, so I didn't know how to retie my own edges. I just did own, I did a, this new show on own called Fear Not with Ayana Bond. Yeah. And like, imagine doing a force me to learn how to do my own hair because I was like, oh my goodness, like I don't have no money to get my hair done. But guess what? My hair was laid on Fear Not with Ayana. You want to know why? Because 10 years ago, I unlocked the cheat code for learning how to do my own locks. But do you see? That so many people want to go from door one to door 10, but the key you need to open door 10 is at door three. And mm. the map you need for, to, for the journey in door 10 is at door four. And the person that's going to give you the passcode is at door six. You try to skip all the steps, you're going to get to door 10 for nothing because you're not able to navigate when you get there. You need to go through the steps so you can collect the tools, the resources, and the lessons that you're going to need to be able to maintain the dream that you seek. The work is in the reaping, not the sowing. When someone told me that, I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean? She's like, everybody thinks, um, I gotta do the hard work. Ooh, I'm sowing the seeds, I'm sowing the seeds. It's so much hard work. She said, girl, what's harder? Putting a seed in the ground or when that corn actually grows, cutting the corn down, cleaning the, the cleaning the corn off, taking the corn back out, you know, like what's harder? You know what I mean? Right, the work right. is in the I love it. in the reaping, not the sowing. You know? Man. So so it, you're thinking like, okay, it's so hard now, but 
It's not like you're uh-huh. like you need these lessons in order to maintain the dream that you seek. The reaping is where the real gangster, the gangster work is. And so, yeah, just just keeping that in mind. What is the next best step? A phone call, a list being made, an, an email, a podcast. And the next best step will be revealed after that. I promise that every step shows you the next step of the way. I love it. There it is right there, people. If you have not gotten the inspiration out of this one to just take action, I don't know what else to tell you. This has been everything. For anybody who wants to stay connected with you, we would definitely have links in the show notes. But where can they find you at? So I am The Budget Nista on all platforms, thebudgetnista.com. I also have The Budget Nista on Instagram, on Facebook, on uh, Twitter, even uh, TikTok, although I don't TikTok, but uh, you, you might see me TikTok one day, right? <laughs> Depending. But um, yeah, and so if you're interested, I have I do have that online school where there's other finance and finance adjacent experts where we take it to the next level. All, all my basic stuff is free, right? So like how to budget, how to save, but you might want to learn how to start a business or you might want to learn how to start a nonprofit or how to get press or just really how to invest, retirement, estate planning. And so I started my Live Richer Academy to, to teach you how to do so. And actually, I have a 40% off link for y'all. Yes, it's, absolutely. Uh, yes. We definitely <laughs> will have that in there. It, yes. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So the budget, Nista, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. This has been not only inspirational for me, but like I said, I'm sure thousands of other people. And you've inspired me to, to really go out there and make sure that I'm living at my best, at my core and to make sure that I have servant leadership and mm-hmm. to make sure that, that I have a plan and to make sure that I'm still dreaming bigger so then I can make sure that I can catch those dreams one day. So thank you again. And remember Dream Nation and the dream we trust, but we must take action. Otherwise, it'll only merely be a fantasy. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.